This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network, my latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events to the role of the board of directors to crisis management to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. We will post on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time for the foreseeable future as we navigate our way through this incredible crisis. First, a word about our sponsor, SAI Global. With the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic continuing to change rapidly, trust and integrity are paramount to business continuity preparedness. SAI Global is here to help compliance and risk professionals facing these challenges, including unprecedented business impacts from employee well-being to disrupted supply chains. SAI 360 is a cloud-first software and modern ethics and compliance learning platform designed to help you navigate risk from every perspective. To learn more about how you can protect your business operations and workforce during these uncertain times, visit saiglobal.com backslash risk for free resources, expert guidance, and industry-leading technology. Thanks again to SAI Global for sponsoring this most important podcast. In this podcast, I visit with Mike Cherkasky of Exeger, and we take a look at what coronavirus means for the compliance professional and business executive and how the challenges of coronavirus may be some of the biggest challenges literally since World War II. I know you'll enjoy Mike's thoughts. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And today I have with Mike Tricaski. Mike is with Exeger. And we are going to talk about how the coronavirus health crisis uh, will really test the mettle of a compliance program, a compliance practitioner, and indeed a corporate compliance function. So, Michael, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I, I suppose most uh, uh, executives would recognize that you are really tested in times of crisis. But I think you and I both have a view that in the time of the coronavirus health crisis, there are going to be additional pr- uh, pressures on the compliance and ethics function in a corporation. What do you see from your perspective, Mike? Yeah, first thing I, w- I want to say, Tom, that obviously this this is a, a crisis of fundamentally of health and safety. And, and obviously, our hearts go out to everyone who who's being affected by it, and it, it's it's obviously across the world. But I, I do truly believe that um, compliance functions are inherently operational risk functions. Um, they are um, they, they have to be resilient. They have to be sustainable. Uh, and uh, during this period of time. Uh, they are tested. It's just, it's, I think the whole corporations or governments or infrastructure are tested, but certainly compliance function are the ability to be sustainable in this crisis. The ability uh, to, to be resilient um, is, is, is a key test of, of whether you, in fact, have, have the compliance that, in fact, you, you want to have and your, your institution needs you to have. 
So, Mike, uh, I'm in Houston, uh, the world capital, or at least the American capital of the energy industry. So we, along with uh, many other industries and businesses now, are facing the added pressure of an economic downturn. How does the economic downturn really even add to the health and safety crisis that you talked about? Well, and, and you know in Houston that it, it's an economic downturn by the most precipitous decline in energy in, in uh, oil prices, uh, I think, in, in anyone's memory. Uh, so, as you said, this is this is not like the crisis of 2007, 2008, not like 9-11. This is a multi-pronged global crisis that I don't think we've seen since since the World War, the Second World War. Um, and and uh, it makes it increasingly difficult. One of the things that we're finding is that our clients are asking us, they're so desperate for understanding what is the industry doing? What are our peers doing? How are they reacting to this? Are people cutting back on compliance? Um, are budgets going away? So it is, you know, it, again, it is, it is the pressure of having to change how they work and where they work from and, uh, and also having this kind of overhang, what does this mean to my organization? Uh, what does this mean to me? Uh, and I do think that the, the, the more thoughtful ones are, um, are of compliance organizations really are trying to help lead their organization because um, this is, these are organizations that are built around trying to, in fact, ensure safety for their organization. I mean, that's what compliance is, to try to, in fact, ensure safety. Now, it's not, it's not health, but it is safety. And so I think that, that, that compliance organizations have an even greater role to, in fact, make sure uh, that they, have, uh, they are calm, that they are stable, that they're giving consistent advice, that they're talking to their organization of of, of operational risk issues, and they're looking forward. Um, but it's a tough time. It's a tough time because people are anxious about their own health. And at the same time, as you said, Tom, there, there are these economic overhangs. Just one further point is we have had um, a number of, of organizations come to us and talk to us about, listen, this is what we want to do. Um, this is what we're going to do, but we're not sure what what the future holds for, for our organization about its ability to do some of these things. Um, you know, we're, we're, we at Exeter work um, uh, on a lot of, of uh, third party, looking at third party uh, for um, large corporations. And uh, so we're we're talking to not only the financial services industry, but corporations all over the world. Uh, and some of these corporations who are key, important clients for us are ones that's literally almost overnight within a two week period saw their business go away. Um, that's that's tough. Uh, and and exa exactly, and they think their business is going to come back. But how do you how do you handle that? Um, and so they are interested in advice. From, from consultants, how do we handle this short term? How do we handle this crisis? So as much as we are in the field of trying to provide 
expertise on specific subject matters of compliance, we also now tend to be being trying to be helpful as crisis managers. Mike, I've uh, not heard anyone sort of compare this to the crisis from World War II. So if we take that as the point we are now, how does a CCO working remotely even begin to wrap their head or their arms around the questions they need to ask internally? Where do they start? First, they start with the things that they can, they can control. <clears throat> um, and and there's, there are so many things that are unpredictable in this world right now, uh, and there are so many things that the CCO doesn't control. But there are things that they do control. Most importantly is they control their relationship with their people. Uh, and first and foremost, in this time of, yes, it's focused on a certain different aspects of compliance, but first it is to preserve your human capital uh, and it is a communication with your human capital and a, a, and a, and a continuous re- communication of being honest and calm and clear about where you're asking the organization, what you're asking the organization to do and what, you know, the CCO needs to continually um, communicate is, listen, we've got a job to do. That job is going to, in fact, be buffeted by all kinds of different events. But we, in fact, understand exactly what we need to do and how we need to protect this organization, how we need to be sustainable uh, for this organization, and uh, make sure that, that the people understand the mission and the criticality of that mission. The thing that, that is absolutely clear, it happened during World War II. When you look, in fact, at the, the amount of fraud and amount of corruption because of huge spending programs, there's just no question that that's going to be a repeat. We had $2 trillion in the United States being put out and being put out extraordinarily rapidly um, because the calculation is it's more important to have it out there than do it in a, a more compliant way. Well, that's going to, in fact, create problems. So we know that there are going to be problems, and there are going to be people who, in fact, are going to try to take advantage with different corporations and different governments of those problems. So I think the CCO has to, in fact, stay the course, communicate calmly with their human capital, make sure that they understand that control what you can control, which is your job today. And then I also think that there is the opportunity to um, you know, one of the things that has been said, uh, don't, don't, uh, when there's a crisis, don't let a, a good crisis go by without taking advantage to, to do things that have a silver lining. And I think here, uh, I think you're going to see people are getting used to working virtually. That's an advantage that gives some flexibility. I think the use of technology, um, and, and to, supplement and to be an additive to people is another enormous advantage that I think a smart CCO is going to say, you know, maybe the old ways of of everyone rushing into the office and and having massive amounts of, 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 you know, muscle work power, maybe we in fact have to do it a little bit differently and again, create an even more resilient organization 
to the future. Michael, I've uh, tried to uh, counsel to the extent I can people to to look at technological solutions which would help do what you've just articulated to supplement and be additive to human capital, but also things that would also have the, the same silver lining that you've talked about uh, one, three, five years down the road. Is that a message that is resonating for your clients? Yeah, let me just give you an example. So, um, first thing, we're, 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 we try to, to practice what we preach. So we actually at Exeter uh, had already sent our people uh, to do work virtually in, 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 uh, in Singapore and Hong Kong. Uh, on March 11th, we actually sent them, sent them all across the globe. So it was, it was early. It was about a week before uh, the New York governor said, go, go work from home. So we, we were doing things early. Um, but it was, um, because we had the, this, this, this technology, the, the ability to work as teams, and we, in fact, thought that that was the future. Having said that, we had a client come to us with a seven-figure uh, contract and say, listen, we want you to do this, but you have to do it in our office. And we said no. Um, and we said, listen, we don't think that's safe, and we don't think that that's in your best interest. And we, in fact, over a course of two days, were able to persuade them to do it virtually and to use technology. And I think they're very happy over the last the last couple of weeks with exactly what they're getting from us. So we do think that this is the opportunity, that things that were uh, usual and, and standard, people will now take a chance in, in some instances because they have to and see that there is, it's safer, it's more resilient, it's more sustainable, and it's cheaper. So I do think that there's, you're going to see a breakthrough with the use of virtual work, which can be all across the globe, and technology. Mike, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time, but today I've been visiting with Mike Tricaski. He's the executive chairman and head of Exeger Government Service. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you, sir. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask if you could to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes or a review, it would greatly help get this word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.